Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Success in farming is all about precision and efficiency. Ensuring every seed, every drop of water, every nutrient and treatment counts. TerraPlex Ag is helping farmers all over Iowa and the Midwest do just that. With precision ag-grown technology and support from TerraPlex, you'll boost your productivity and make timely and informed decisions, all while reducing your costs and increasing your profits. It's time to revolutionize your farming. Harvest the benefits with TerraPlex Ag. Visit TerraPlexAg.com. Hello. Good Wednesday to all of you. Coming to you on a different day because of some crazy travel schedules. I am Adam Pedersen, joined by the it's Jordan Austin Powers Bohannon because you're an international man of travel and mystery. And we are coming to you live from the Channel Seat Studios, Jordan, in a much more beautiful and sunny and bodacious Channel Seat Studio than I'm in. How are you, pal? I'm I'm doing well. I do want to make no Hawaii is in the United States, so not oh yeah, I said international. That's yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb of me to say international. That's okay. We learn. We learn. Yes, sir. All right. Well, yeah, you've been California to Hawaii. Now back to California. Uh, it by the way, here in Northwest Iowa this morning, it was negative fifteen at six o'clock in the morning when I went out and started my pickup. Wasn't it just 75 in Iowa, not like 24 hours ago? Yes. It went from 68 where I am to negative 15. So here's a question. Should Iowa weather be thrown in jail? Yes or no? Oh, well, without question. Straight Next to jail. To Green? Straight to jail. No trial. No nothing. Straight to jail. And next to Courtney Green. Yeah, right next to Courtney Green. They can share share a dirty prison toilet for the rest of time together. That's actually insane. I didn't know it was that cold. Ridiculous. Oh man. All right. Um have your I mean you're you've had some delayed flights, but were the flights better than the the time when you went from here to California? <laughs> was it a little bit better experience? Well, here's the deal. We went um flew into Honolulu from San Francisco and we flew into San Francisco. Our flight was actually delayed. This is going to Hawaii and our flight was actually delayed because San Francisco has maintenance problems or uh, not maintenance problems. I said that wrong. Um, construction on their tarmacs right now, I guess. Oh, nice. So for whatever reason, I guess the seven in the morning flight out of, um, when we were going into San Francisco, we sat on the runway for an hour and we had a 45-minute layover into San Francisco to catch our Honolulu flight. So that delay right there cost us missing our connecting flight into Honolulu. So our trip started out really great again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm currently, what am I, one for four on my last flights on 
not good. Yeah, not not good. Not good. All right. This is the goal. This podcast in Iowa everywhere and maybe some business ventures you and I have in the future together get so big that we can afford a private jet. I would be totally down. I don't know. That would I don't even know if Joe Rogan has a private jet, but we could get there. <laughs> if the cattle market goes one hundred X of what it is now, I will be able to get a private jet. So let's hope Why for not? that. Why not white one thousand X? Let's plan a little higher here. All right. A thousand X and then we'll each get a private jet. I'll buy one for each of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I saw an article. I wanted to ask you about this. You've been traveling, so you might be the perfect man for the job. I saw a link that someone posted and it put odds on best places to drink a beer. And I want to know your opinion. It has airport was the leader at minus minus one fifty. Then it had happy hour beach pre lab. I don't even know what that means. Garage, tailgate, hot tub, golf course, grilling, stadium, shower, hotel bar, boat, or just no beer. Maybe you're not a drinker. I know what my unquestioned number one is, but I want to know what yours is. I think, well, that's really hard because all those are really great places. Airport is definitely a top three. I would say. That's my number one. I don't know. It's hard to be a nice cold drink on a boat. I I, I don't know mm. what other better place there is. Beach beach right. is one thing, but I don't know. Boat. I feel like when you're boating, you're a little more active. Beach, right? You're just sitting there, so though. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Those okay. Two, airport that's one and two. Sure, airport. It's absolutely my number one. Something I think it comes with like the excitement that you're leaving for a trip, or maybe you're going somewhere where you won't. I don't know. You're like on an adventure and that entirely overpriced, like $13 draft hazy IPA at the airport bar, man, that just hits different. And it might be like eight 30 in the morning. And you're like, I'm on vacation. Time doesn't matter now. It's just a day we can drink whenever we want. So that eight 30 breakfast beer, uh, mm-hmm. I, this is a take that I don't know if a lot of people would like. Uh, I don't like drinking at the beach. I like to just have water. I feel like I'm too hot and sweating and the wind and the sand. And now that might just be a large man problem, but I just prefer a good cold bottle of water at the beach. What is the thing on the beach? You get, it's pretty sandy, right? I don't really like sand pebbles in my, my drink. No. However, frozen drink on a beach, that might be a different story. (laughs) A little frozen daiquiri. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Frozen margarita, maybe. Ooh, buddy. However, this made me think of, uh, I'm glad you brought this up, how expensive things can be at the airport. Oh, yeah. We're flying into San Francisco on our way to Hawaii. And I kid you not, we so we obviously, obviously missed our connected flight. Like we landed and our flight already took off. So we're waving in the air to our other plane that's already <laughs> taken off next to us. Um, but we land and we're like, our number one priority, we're going to go and get our next connecting flight and fix to make sure we can get into Hawaii and not have to wait until tomorrow. We right. did that. And we had like a couple hours. So I was like, let's go grab some food quick. I know we're in California, San Francisco prices can be a little, you know, inflated Woo! based yep. off other places, but let's just say we went and I got, we got two sausage egg uh, McMuffins and, or not McMuffins. It wasn't from McDonald's, but it was like this local, 
breakfast yep. place. We just grabbed it and go and scanned it. And yep. um, we sent them down. I had orange juice and there was two sandwiches. She goes, that'd be 46, 44, please. <laughs> I go $46 for three items. I thought she was, I literally thought she was joking. <sighs> so I went, I went and go, I went and put back the orange juice. So it wasn't more than $44. The orange juice itself was nine ninety eight. I'm like, this this orange juice Absolute better you know, rip off. It better cure every disease mankind if I take a sip out of this orange juice for nine ninety. This orange juice better be uh, cleansing my colon as I drink it. And that's what I need too. Been filled up lately. <laughs> oh man, yeah, airports are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous how expensive things are. Uh, but usually I'm a, like whatever. I'll just spend whatever it takes to be happy and full on a trip, and so I'll do it. But it's a tough pill to swallow. It is. I, I do want to say this too. I was walking off the plane, landing in San Francisco today. It was, mm, flight was 11:30 out of Hawaii at night. We we had the red eye coming back. Oh my! And I think we we landed like landed at like six. It was like 6.35 in the morning. I think we, we touched down and landed and got into the terminal and started walking over our other gate. And our next flight leaves at 8.30. And I look over to the bar, restaurant. It's six. It's literally 6.35 in the morning, Adam, on a mm-hmm. what is it, Wednesday morning. Yep. And I see I the people guy throwing had back beers. Giant. It, I mean, it had to be a 32-ounce lager <laughs> just in front of them. <laughs> half drink. Breakfast. Half drink. Breakfast with champions. I don't think I've ever seen someone drink that early before a beer. Six thirty-five in the morning. <laughs> Unless you're still uh, drinking, like you're still up from the night before. So that's a man who looks forward to when he has to take a trip because he knows if he's married, maybe he's maybe he's going by himself and the family's staying home and he's getting wild. That's a man. I don't know if he has problems at home or he's excited to go somewhere or he's just going to the airport for a beer. One of those three. I tell you what, you got to have, well, geez, can you imagine someone just goes to the airport for their social life? Yikes. <laughs> uh, well, good for him. I hope it was a, I hope it was a good hearty breakfast and it sat well with them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. I almost, I, I, I almost had to go tap him on the shoulder. Like, Hey buddy. Yeah. Take it easy. You're scaring, you're scaring some people right now. <laughs> oh shoot. Well, should we talk some Hawkeye basketball and then some Iowa state? Absolutely. Man, it's been a roller coaster of a week. So the last time we recorded was the day of the Michigan State game. And we were a little nervous. We said, well, Iowa's been playing better. You never know what can happen. But uh, we had our doubts. And Iowa proved us wrong and beat Michigan State. Um, A very surprising win. Since then, Michigan State has also lost again at home. So it makes me not feel as great about the Hawkeye win, but I think a win at Breslin center is still kind of good regardless. What do you think? It is a, such an interesting year throughout big 10 basketball. I know we said this last week, the year, the week before that and the week before that and the week before that, but every single week just tends to get even more crazy. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that Iowa comes out and I mean, I'm getting jumping ahead of myself, but, um, the wins they've had recently, but that Michigan State game that really propelled them to make a run here and making a 
not even just a good seed in the Big Ten tournament to get in the NCAA tournament, but they have a shot here to make the NCAA tournament without having a good seed in the Big Ten tournament, if that makes sense now. So mm -hmm. I think they're going to, because of that win at the Breslin Center, I think that really launched them into a place where if they, I mean, hindsight's always 20-20, but things always change so quickly in this conference. And now they're sitting at 99, and it's just extraordinary to, you know, these Fran McCaffrey coach teams, they always, you know, mid to late February, this is where they always make the run. Yep. Yeah, they're getting scrappy. Uh, you love to see it. The Michigan State game, Iowa had 16 layups and dunks and 40 points in the paint, which was shocking. Uh, Pat McCaffrey had a great game. That's going to be a theme that we keep talking about for the rest of these games coming up as he continues to shine in his role off the bench. Um, so he went from that to Illinois, and Iowa was playing really good against Illinois, and the wheels fell off at the end a little bit. I still, I think at one point they were up 66-59 in the second half, and it just kind of like felt like at some point Illinois is going to make a run, something's going to happen, and it did, and it lost, but... No loss is a good loss, but that wasn't like, uh, geez, that was terrible. We just got smoked for 40 minutes. We had him on the ropes. So that was kind of promising to see. I was looking at their losses. If, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but the losses that I was had in conference, they were leading, you know, at a good point of the game. Yep. The majority of those games that they've lost. I think uh, six of the nine that they've lost in the Big Ten, they've been leading the second half at some point. So, I mean, that goes to show you right there. I mean, you lose to Maryland twice. You lost to Penn State. You take care of Illinois. I mean, you're looking at a you know a season where not everyone thought we could even get to a 500 season in conference mm -hmm. play. But, you know, it's always, like I said, the McCaffrey teams, they're always, you know, around the pack. You know, how many times have you seen McCaffrey take their teams to a different level than was, expect, you know, their expectations for this guy is frozen. We're going to fight through. Yes, the Illinois game. And when J-Bo comes back to life, there he is. There you go. We're back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is going to be a podcast for the ages. Um, yes, I got your point in what you said. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Something about if it just takes time for the guys to unify and find their – I think Pat – uh, you never like an injury, but when he got hurt and he hurt his ankle there and he finally showed the pictures, it was disgusting how swollen his ankle was. That might have ended up being a blessing in disguise with Dix moving into the starting lineup and kind of finding a lineup that works really well now with Dix and Perkins and Peyton in the starting lineup together with Pat coming off the bench. Um, speaking of Pat, I want to like kind of parlay this with my next point. It's becoming increasingly difficult for me to watch Cricky try to play defense that Coleman Hawkins boy in the first half of the Illinois game, they kept getting Cricky on the perimeter one-on-one -on -one with him. And it was bad. He was getting burned, getting up easy layups, his, and then Pat, when he comes in, the lineup is so much more fluid and his defense is better and he's longer, more athletic. And I don't know. I'm almost wondering if, Cricky needs to play less minutes and we need Pat to have more minutes off the bench because those defensive blunders that have been happening with Cricky are going to be vital. Like down the stretch here as Iowa tries to, you know, scratch and claw their way into NCAA tournament. Well, you see a lineup when Pat's in of, of 
a lineup that's very versatile and being able to guard so many different positions out on the court. And that was the main concern that we we talked about, Adam, at the beginning of the season of right after the Creighton game. Yeah, he's been playing really well, but how is he going to do in conference play, being able to handle the ball screen action, being able to handle, you know, if we dog late possession the game, being able to handle switches that occur late in the shot clock. And it's been pretty, you know, apparent that's what what's been happening they've been putting him in a lot mm-hmm. of ball screens and they've been putting him into a lot of positions where they're making him guard and move his feet um and that's something they all the big 10 teams do to any big guy on the opposing team so it's not just him singling him out but they're always trying to do that to free up their guards because it, it's really a guard guards game now um but when they've been able to do that with pat on the floor i think i think it's a total different lineup that only benefits so many guys on the court now that Pat has been getting his feel and his role down in the sixth man. But seeing him come in now these last you know couple of weeks and really establish himself as a new role player, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's really hard to do, especially when you've been a starter for you know, two, three years like Pat has. And now he's coming into a totally different role after getting hurt, watching Josh Dix come over. And he's just been you know, extraordinary the last couple of games of what he's been able to do on his end. And he's a you know, prime example of another guy. He came in as a role player beginning of the season. Now he's coming in as a starter. He's playing really high minutes. He's accepted his role. He knows his role. He's handling the ball well. And that's that's what Iowa's been missing all year long is a point guard that's been able to handle the ball, handle the pressure, bring the ball off the floor. You know, Tony's been able to do it at times, but, you know, we said this from the beginning, Tony's more of a guy that wants to score the ball. You know, he's had big assist games like he had previously in the season, but he wants to be a guy that more sets himself up rather than I feel like he wants to set up others up. And that's not a selfish thing. That's just how his game is. Yeah. And I think having Josh Dix coming in, that's just helped this team really find their identity. And I think that's what a lot of guys have been saying in the post-conference that listened to the interviews. They've all just been saying they're finally finding their identity. And, you know, some say it's late, but better late than never, in my opinion. And that's why they've had the success now that they've they've had the last few weeks. Yeah, right on. It's been it's been exciting to watch. No longer are we watching Iowa games. You know, at least some of those early games, I was thinking like, oh boy, this could be ugly. I watch every game thinking like, well, if we limit, you know, turnovers and just play a little bit better defense, I watch games now thinking like this is a game we could win. Maybe not Purdue. We'll see if we ever face them again. But um 42 free throws, by the way, the second half of that Illinois game. I cannot remember the ref's name for the life of me, and it's bothering me, but I think this man crowned himself as the new possibly worst official in the Big Ten. I mean, he was getting so many he was getting so many mentions on on X for his horrible officiate, both sides. Iowa and I mean the whole second half, there was no team could get momentum. It just threw everything off. 42 free throws in one half, man. That's out of control. But that's road. That's a that's the road in the Big Ten, really. Yeah. I mean, no matter where you go, there's going to be outrageous refs, pull more away. So that's something. I mean, even with all that craziness, they still should have. I, I mean, I, I I'm love to play the, the blame game for the refs. You know me. I, I want to I want to attack them <laughs> as much as possible. But even with all the craziness, they were in a position to win the game. They had some stupid turnovers and some stupid possessions late game that really had Illinois increase that lead from two to five to seven. And ultimately, 
you know, put it away and lay, lay the last four or five minutes of the game. But Iowa had every every chance to win the game, even with all the craziness that happened with the refs. Sure did. Um, my last point I had here that I um, thought of from the Illinois game, this kind of moves into the Penn State game too. I've started trying to do a lot better, uh, like, analytical eye watching stuff off the ball that happens. And I've noticed that I feel like we're not – and maybe it's, I don't know, maybe there's not design plays or maybe like the motion offense at times you're not constantly moving. But two things I've noticed with screening is that I don't feel like we do a good enough job of getting Peyton some screens for open looks off of when he doesn't have the ball. Now, granted, they're all over him. That Illinois game, oh my gosh, he got mugged. And Fran even said that. Uh, wait, was it Fran? I think it was Fran who said that. Uh that he said, Peyton, there should have been so many fouls called on him. Um, so they've been all over him. It's actually opened up some looks for dicks here and there. But another screening thing that's been driving me nuts is that when Owen or Cricky or a guy goes up to the top of the key to set a screen for Perk, he goes really high off the screen and it allows his defender to just continue with him. He doesn't rub shoulders. And as a big guy, that drives me nuts. As a guy who was going up and setting those screens... It drives me crazy. I wish I wish Tony so badly would use those screens more. I don't know if it's a, I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on why it's happening, but I just that's one thing I've been noticing more is, gosh, we got to be better about screens off the ball and Tony using it when he has the ball in his hands. Well, I'll take this one step farther because that's a great observation and something that we've always keyed on is setting screens at the right angle. And I'll take this one step further with you, Adam. Tony's also got to wait for the screen to be established yes. before he takes off with the ball. How many times have we seen Brock do that? Tony's done that. Josh is actually one of the best there is. If people watch Josh Dix, when there's a ball screen his way, he'll take his guy down. And Josh Dix isn't the quickest guy, but he's going to use his strength, take his guy down, wait for the screen to happen. And then he's going to rub shoulders like you're talking about to be able mm-hmm. to get downhill or be able to create that separation where they're going to have to make a decision whether the post comes up or the guard's going to have to trail off and break off and help the, the uh, post guy roll in the basket. So there's just so much things that happen when you just wait for the screen and have the play unravel. Yeah, they might ice the ball, but then you by you um, establishing your position of waiting for the screen, even if they ice it, the big guy can switch right away and then they can get downhill going the other way. So there's so much opportunity by them just waiting but i do agree the big guys it's always been a struggle i tell you what it's always been a struggle having people screen for the shooters Mm -hmm. for whatever reason the shooters are always the best screeners you think the big guys would want to you know free up their the little guys against but historically no not even just iowa just everywhere in general the big guys just don't want to set screens off the ball and have them you know be effective screens yeah yes there's some exceptions but if you watch Peyton play, and this is something I always really pride in myself, and I always try to be the best screener possible because Peyton knows now why he's having such success getting to the foul line and getting open for better looks now is he's screening for other people. And by him screening for Josh Dix, Josh Dix is getting open. And why he, why he's screening his guy, things change throughout the game. Setting good screens will free him open for open looks and getting to the foul line and getting down the – know back cuts and whatnot and that that's what Peyton's mastered I think now why he's had such success his last two weeks is he's really slowing himself down off the ball people are watching him move around the ball he's really finding looks around the big guys and not just waiting for them to screen rather than he's just going and screen their guys 
And because yeah. of that, other people are getting open for that. And then in turn, you know, what a concept. You're unselfish one way by screening for someone else, and then you get open in the end for it. And I think that's just what Peyton's mastered. And that's something Tony needs to do a lot better job on right now with the ball. Currently, you're exactly right, because at the beginning of the year, he was killing it off the ball screen. Mm-hmm. He was waiting. He was getting downhill, doing all this stuff that you're, you're talking about. And now he's – I think he's taking off a little too soon on some of these ball screens and getting downhill. And I think that's why Josh Dix has such, such, such success as of lately, too. Yeah. He's had the ball in his hands so many times up top. Yep. Yeah, Dix, boy, what a game he had last night. Uh, 20, I can't remember for sure what he ended up with, but his mid-range game is nearly automatic. It seems like he was hitting threes, uh, him and Peyton, holy moly, their passing was just beautiful. The ball movement was beautiful in the first half. Those two seem to be really like on the same page with each other with their backdoor cuts and passes Peyton with dude. I'm like. These are little things that I don't think a lot of people notice. I got like so fired up when Peyton would, uh, when Dix did a back cut on the baseline and Peyton was like a little bit above the free throw line and Peyton Dix was coming from the left side of the hoop and Peyton throws the ball to the right side of the hoop. So as Dix is coming under that ball just bounces right into his left hand, he can catch it right in motion and go up with the up and under layup. So many people don't throw the anticipation pass. And I saw that and oh, that fired me up. That was, they had some beautiful uh, ball movement and passing in the first half and cutting off the ball. Um, it was pretty to watch. It just, it felt like I was watching Hoosiers. Normandale would have been proud. Well, I mean, it just goes to show <laughs> what, what a concept it can be by just assisting others to get open shots. And yeah. And will create a lot of more open shots like I was just talking about. But, I mean, they had 15 assists on the first 16 baskets, I think, in the, in the first on 16 shots they made in the Penn State game. So that goes to show how well they are passing. That's really hard to do, to assist. You know, it's one thing to score the ball in the Big Ten, but it's one thing to assist someone else to score the ball. That's really hard to do. And do mm-hmm. that almost at a 100% clip the first 16 possessions that they've scored. You know, that's just that's just stuff that's unheard of. But Fran's offenses has done this for years on end. And I don't think it's talked about enough how unselfish he has made a lot of guys that – you look down the line of the talent that has come through of Iowa. Now, these are guys that probably could go average 30, 30 a game somewhere easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, some guys that, I mean, look at Cricky. He averaged 20, or was it 20 game, 20 a game at Valpo when he was there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very realistic. A lot of these guys that are on the roster right now, even Peyton, I mean, Peyton can go out and, you know, shoot 12 games, 12 threes a game somewhere in a mid major, average 30 a game, no problem. A lot of these guys can do the same thing, but Fran has allowed these guys to play a certain way. And that will create so much success for a lot of these guys down the road too. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, I don't know. It'd be way more fun for me to play within a, to just have a bunch of people having success within a bigger, maybe a little bit lesser role on more of a team on a, at a bigger level. That'd be way more fun to me. Um, Peyton shout out to him first. This was remarkable to hear first triple double in program history. If you were just a few inches taller, I feel like you would have had one. I uh, I was actually <laughs> shocked because I was actually really close to one. I don't know what game it was. I think it was the Minnesota game my senior year. One of 15 senior years my last year. <laughs> and I don't remember anyone ever saying that to me, that I was was really close. Because I, I, I think I was like 
one rebound or two re- rebounds away from doing it. Brutal. I don't ever remember that being a thing. The first one ever in Iowa basketball history. That's actually Crazy. insane to think about. Think of how many good players have come. Like I know like Luca was so many double doubles, but I'm not sure if Luca was ever getting 10 assists, but there, I mean, there's like someone like him or even like you or just so many good players that you played with. Wees camp, Peter Jock, like guys like that. You'd think at one point would go off. Yeah. Matt Gaytons. There's, there's one for sure. Like, man. So that was shocking. So congrats to him. He got, he was down. They put him on the block and, and, uh, Baldwin misses the free throw and it just happens to rim out right to Peyton to get him the triple double. That was awesome. Um, by the way, they did show a stat. I don't know if you saw it of the most 20 point 10 assist games in the last 10 years for the Hawks. You're number one with three. Everyone else, uh, everyone else was well, Peyton has one now. And then I can't remember the other person with one, but you're, you have the most with three. They threw your name up there on the TV. I was like, Hey, I know him. I know him. We've (laughs) talked about this, Adam. They're just throwing out statistics these days where <laughs> the first right, – we already talked about it. The first person to do a backflip yeah. in the pool before a game and drink a beer before halftime. <laughs> and, and it's, just, it's just new. It's new shit every day. Dude, when – did you uh, – my Snapchat when I said, that boy cold-blooded. Did you get oh, that? Yeah. When they were showing the highlight of you hitting the three against the Indian? I didn't realize how deep that was. Like when you look at it from the like the hoop angle, you're like five feet across half court. Props I to you. I blacked, I blacked out. So did I after you made the shot. <laughs> I blacked <laughs> I out before the, the shot. <laughs> you blacked out, uh, and it helped you make it. And I blacked out from screaming too much after you made it. It was meant to be yeah. that we'd have a podcast together someday. <laughs> oh man. Well, though. Iowa. Um, you know, the Illinois game, it was brutal. Gave up off- some offensive rebounds on missed free throws, which so painful to watch. Penn State game, the rebounding is what let them back in it. So a couple good games by the Hawks, um, but we still got to work on the rebounding. I feel like it's slightly, like it's definitely getting a little bit better, I feel like, especially if Owen can stay out of foul trouble. But, man, rebounding is still going to be the key. We got to crash the boards and – um that's gonna be that's gonna be what makes or breaks some of these games maybe down the stretch. Yeah, and that's something that if anything's a concern right now, it, it's still the rebounding. You you look at the opportunity they have at hand here with Northwestern coming up in Illinois, and in, in my opinion, before I touched on the rebounding, they they they, they take care of those two games. I don't even think it's even a question there in the NCAA tournament in the Big Ten tournament, in my opinion, because I think they've yeah. done enough. You know, that, that 20 win mark is always, you know, the mark you're supposed to hit. But, I mean, going 11-9 in the Big Ten, having probably five quad one wins, I think they've done everything they they can at this point, given the season they had after the, the, the beginning of the Big Ten play to mm-hmm. have every right to be in the NCAA tournament, knowing – but here's the deal, knowing the other bubble teams and how they shape up. Yep. Because that's the that's the key. That's the key to it all, right? It's, Iowa can do what they can. Uh, let's say they go two and one. They win the next two games, losing losing the Big Ten tournament. You know, it's in my opinion, I think they deserve to be in, but it all depends on what the bubble teams next to them do. If all the bubble yeah. teams end up, you know, imploding, then it's no question in my mind why Iowa shouldn't be in. 
but re- rebounding is going to be the main focus because they got the offense down. They their defense is coming together. Um, right now, I still think the rebounding is a huge issue, knowing the teams they have coming up in you know Northwestern and um, Illinois coming back from. You know, Illinois has some you know big guys on their team. I think rebounding is always going to be an mm-hmm. issue with Illinois, no matter who they have on their team. But um, I think they've done everything they can to prove themselves that they deserve to be in the state tournament at this point, hoping yeah. they win these next two games. Yeah, and even if you know, like, was it? I think it was two weeks ago when I told you, I said even if they finish eighteen and thirteen and ten and ten, which would mean they split these last two and win two conference tournament games, I think they would still get in. But obviously, I mean, these are two winnable games. It'd be a lot better if we just win these and then win one tournament game, hopefully, and not have to worry about making a run in the tournament. So we'll see. Uh, Northwestern, I think I heard someone say that they're 10-0 and at home in conference. So this is a tall order. You know, we've had some battles with Northwestern over the years, you know as well as anyone. Uh, was it at North? I think I can't remember if it was in Carver or at Northwestern when you had the crazy game where you just went off making threes. And I think you made a three with like six tenths of a second left to beat them. That was glorious. That was at home. Yeah. It's funny. Like Northwestern has always been, uh, not only just for me, but like Iowa in general, it always has been a team that Iowa just plays extraordinarily well against. If you look through the history of yeah. the last five to six years. I mean, I would, if I'm Chris Collins, I would hate to have Iowa come up on their schedule knowing just whatever reason we, I mean, we put up 118 points on them in the Big Ten tournament two years ago. <laughs> like just an absurd amount of numbers. And the starters didn't even play the last 10 minutes of the game. Yep. Like it was just crazy the numbers we've been putting up on Northwestern. But also this year feels a little different too because Northwestern has some, you know, Boo Booey's playing. You know, I think he's one of the best point guards in the country right now. And yeah. What they have developed there. I mean, this is a team that's fighting at the bit to be in the NCAA tournament every right. So, and I think I just looked out there 14 and one at home total, um, and, uh, 14 and one totally in this year at home, 10 and 0 at home, um, in conference play. So it's going to be a tough one. Anytime you play at Northwestern, it's always tough. But the nice thing about Northwestern, anyone that's ever been to those games when I was playing, there's a lot of Iowa fans that go to the Northwestern game. So I'm hoping that's the case. Yes, sir. It's going to be a big one. Uh, Northwestern, they love to crash the boards and rebound. So like you said, rebounding will be the key, but I do have, I do have high hopes that between Perkins and, and even like Harding off the bench, boy, he's really seeming to find his confidence and you can visibly see his growing confidence as he plays and gives us minutes off the bench. Um, but with him off the bench and Perkins and Dix, um, I feel good about the Hawks' chances to slow down Boo Booey a little bit, and uh, hopefully the Hawks get a W there. And I tell you what, if they win on Saturday, then the fo- by the way, eight days rest Saturday to a f- like a Sunday game a whole week later, rested, fired up, knowing what's on the line. Uh, that's going to be a fun game in Carver on Senior Night too. I don't even know if there is any seniors on the team. I guess Cricky and potentially yeah, Tony, Tony and some guys. But uh, Tony, Tony, yeah, Tony should. We come talked back to him last week. Yeah, he should come back. Give uh, me his number and let me talk to him. I'll yeah. tell him to come back. Send him some of your meat. <laughs> there we go. Everyone loves some petters of meat. <laughs> yeah, I know I do. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's mention some sponsors quick. Terraplex Ag is 
our big sponsor here on the show. They're a fantastic company, and they specialize in drone technology with farming. Uh, farming is becoming more and more technologically advanced as the years goes on, and drone uh, drones is a big uh, part of that. You can put on late-season applications, a foliar spray, or cover crop with a drone. Then you don't have to worry about getting a big sprayer or a high boy in there or a haggy. I mean, all those companies are great too, but a drone would be a nice, simple way to do it. Um, you could also get some good aerial footage of your fields to know maybe where you're lacking in certain nutrients or see some problems going on and fix it. So get a hold of Terraplex Ag. Uh, they would love to work with you. Uh, tell them the boys at Making Mems in Iowa everywhere sent you and uh, let them help you out on your farm. Or even if you're not a farmer listening, get a drone from them and, I don't know, be that neighbor who's standing outside planting grass in his yard with a drone. That'd be fun to watch. I might become a farmer just because I want to get a Terrapex drone. That's Let's go, baby. Let's buy like a five-acre farm. Let's make a vegetable garden. And slow down. I want to I do something big, though, if I have a farm. All right. Well, we'll just add it to Pedersen Bohannon Industries when we do all sorts of things in the future together. It's got to be like the the haystack. I, I when I drove through, <laughs> yes, Western Iowa. I need I need to do that type of shit. We'll buy an eighty. We'll have twenty acres of hay. We'll have some vegetables and stuff, so we can do can a bunch of stuff and save on grocery. We'll have a couple cows, and then we'll do some sweet corn, and we'll just do some regular corn and beans. We'll have a time of our life out there, and we'll have a big old stack right. of hay. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be out there day and night stacking that, stacking that hay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, let's talk some Iowa State here. They had a sluggish win versus West Virginia uh, last week, but they got her done still. West Virginia always brings the physicality and defense. That game wasn't really surprising to me at all. And they host Oklahoma tonight. Iowa knows firsthand uh, that Oklahoma can be dangerous if they're firing on all cylinders. Obviously, Porter Mosier, um, very well-known and established good coach. His teams are going to be intense, uh, play very good defense. Iowa State is, you know, maybe the second or third best defensive team in the country. and um, But Oklahoma is no slouch also. So that's going to be a big matchup for Iowa State as they try to, I think their sole possession is second place right now in the Big 12 after Kansas lost at home to BYU last night without McCullers still. Um so the clones have a lot of things going in their direction right now. Rumors are that if they keep playing good, they're going to be in Omaha. And I have bought my tickets for the first six games in Omaha with the two buddies I go to. I might be there in a sea of Cyclone fans watching that. I don't know how I feel about that. I thought you were going to say I might be there wearing red. I was getting a little worried. Oh, no. Never. I'm going to be wearing – if Iowa State is there, I'm taking a Hawkeye shirt. The I'm gonna be I, that I kind of Williams. Hope, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I kind of hope they do get Omaha because I mean, what a, I mean, what a moment for that program for them yeah. to have that type of environment after just two short years ago where they were out of the program. I mean, it's just it's extraordinary. Yep. To think about you tied chance to win the Big Twelve. I think they're are they two games back, one game back. I think they're just one game back. Yeah crazy yeah i tell you what if they're there um i'll have a lot of friends there and i know williams will be there covering them so if they're there i'm going down to media row where williams is and i'm taking a cornfield combo with him or posting it on the iowa or social media feeds 
He's a he's a. I'm getting the feeling he's a fake Iowan though. He wouldn't be able to have a proper cornfield combo with you. <laughs> oh man, shots fired. That's all right. He'll get over it. <laughs> man, so yeah, Iowa State. Uh, we'll see what keeps if they keep winning. It would be my buddies and I. We talked like if Iowa State is here, their fans will go crazy for these tickets. We were thinking about buying tickets that are like three times what we spent really close to the court in hopes of being able to resell the ones we bought for like three, four times what we bought them for. Ultimately we decided to, to not risk it and just stick with what we have. Cause we have good seats still, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Is uh, the game where, where's the, at Omaha CHI in, arena. Uh, I think that's where Creighton plays. Yeah. Okay. So to be there. So yeah, we're on like the, there's like three levels or three kind of levels. We're on the second one, like in the front row. So we're not on the main level, but we're front row. The next one seats are nice. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. It's such an awesome atmosphere. Uh, probably a lot more fun being on the court, playing in it than being in the stands, watching it. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to personally cheer for Iowa state ever, but I do always wish the best for every program out there on a safe and healthy journey to the NCAA tournament. And <laughs> I, I'm serious though. I think they, I, they have a legitimate shot of making a deep run in the NCAA they tournament. Do. Unlike there's just not a lot of, I just don't see a lot of teams. I mean, I don't know. Everyone's so high in Kentucky, obviously UConn, there's Houston, but there's not a lot of teams with the balance. I think that Iowa state has, and yeah, they've been through sluggish games just like every team has, but, in my opinion, Adam, I I would say up there with, I mean, the ranking shows what they've done this year, but mm-hmm. I would stays up there with those Houston's and Yukons this year and Kentucky's because I don't, I don't see a lot of teams being crazy, you know, extraordinary better than anyone out there this year, other than yep. you know, that pack right there. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Oh my gosh, it's the best time of year. I love when the seasons are changing and March Madness is here. That just fires me up. Fires me up so much. Um I'm I'm a ahead. I'm a proponent of not getting too excited about March Madness yet. I hate when people do this. Let's enjoy February. You gotta enjoy the last week That's true. of February. And I'm not even counting March Madness as until conference place tournament starts. Dude, conference so, tournaments are awesome. Once that starts, that's when we can start talking about March Madness and the craziness of March. The first yep. couple weeks of March, not there yet. Actually, the first like five, six days of March. Yep. So this is why. Get out of yourself. This is why if I if I would have been uh, seven or eight inches taller and played at Iowa, I would have needed a teammate like you to calm me down. I would have been getting entirely <laughs> too jacked up and losing my mind out there and would have been too hyped and missing, not even hitting the rim on layups because I'm so fired up. And I would have needed a, a guy like you to come up and slap me and say, hey, take a breath. You're hurting the team right now. On a serious note, that's what I would need to do right now. On on like as a crazy transition this is from we were just making fun of that. But like yeah. that's what Iowa needs to do. The players, and they are doing this. I'm sure Coach is saying this right now in the locker room. Shut out everything on the outside. Don't don't listen to social media. Don't listen mm-hmm. to if we win this next game where we're going to be at in our, in, our, in our net ranking. Don't listen to where our strength of schedule is. Don't turn on ESPN. Just listen or just focus on what we have at task for this next game. Don't look ahead to Illinois. 
we take care of what we need to take care of these next couple games, we're going to be putting ourselves in a good position. But right now, we need to control what we can control. And I think that's a huge you know, thing right now for a lot of teams that are on the bubble or teams that are trying to make a good seating. How many times have you seen guys that, you know, it happened with, you know, our team a couple of times in the NCAA tournament. You listen to, you know, press, you listen to the press here or there, interviews here or there about this could be a Final Four team, this could be a team that makes a deep run. That just all gets put in your head, and that's just only damaging, in my opinion. And I think yeah. the, the best teams just shut all that out. They just don't listen to any of it, and they just focus on their team. Yep. And Iowa does that. I think, you know, they have a really good shot. Yeah, right on. All right. Um, let's do another ad read here and then we'll get to some college basketball and national landscape stuff. DRF Sportsbook is a local Iowa sportsbook. They're only in the state of Iowa right now. So when you hop on and make an account with them, you are supporting a local company. And let's see here. If you go to DRF dot where's that website? DRIA, sorry. Ooh, start over ia.drf.com you can enter promo code iowa300 and when you sign up you'll it you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $300 and an exclusive $50 bet credit or you can download the DRF sportsbook app and sign up from there and do that too so go support local hop on there for the love of God, bet responsibly. We don't need you losing your house and your kid's college fund and ruining your marriage because you spent all your money. Um, but because I'm a friend of the people, I'm going to help you out right now and give you my favorite little parlay of the night. And proceed with caution because I'm on an epic losing streak right now. It's bad, Jordan. I can't win to save my life. Well, didn't you talk about how you're on a really – didn't you talk about how you're on, like, a good winning streak before the season? If I, do I was. And up until, like, two weeks ago, I was I was hot. Now I can't win to say – you want to know what happened last night? I had freaking Colorado State money line. Guess what happened? They lost by a freaking half-court buzzer beater. I about put my fist through my TV. <sighs> but that's gambling. And – Thankfully, I don't have a problem. I'm only betting like amounts that aren't going to make me have to mortgage my pickup and sell a bunch of cows to get out of debt. I'm, I'm gambling responsibly, although I don't think Jesus looks favorably on my gambling, but that's why we have forgiveness. I don't think he looks favorably at all. At <laughs> no, not at all. He's probably actually wondering why I'm such a hypocrite. All right, here's my pick of the night. <laughs> I got a little four-teamer for you. I like Tennessee Moneyline. They're at home against Auburn. Huge SEC implications. I like Tennessee at home. I like Northwestern plus six. Don't eat, You could tease it up to like nine and a half, ten if you want. I just like Northwestern straight up plus six. I like Butler minus one. They're very good at home. There has been rumors, by the way, that Thad Mata maybe would come home to Ohio State. I oh, don't believe it. I don't oh, believe it for a bit. Yeah, no. I don't believe it for Who one bit. That? Who said that? I heard it. I heard it mentioned by uh, Mark Titus today that he's heard from a bunch of people saying that they think it's going to happen. I don't think that's happening Ooh. one bit. Give me a break. Not nah, a he's happy at Butler. And then UCF, they've been hot. So they're plus two and a half on the road at Oklahoma State. UCF money line outright. 
Oklahoma State stinks, and UCF has been hot. So there's UCF, my UCF Oklahoma State conference game. How crazy does that sound? Still, <laughs> I know it's so stupid. Oh my gosh! All right, how about we talk court storming and some national landscape stuff here before we pop out? What are your thoughts on what happened with Mister Kyle Filipowski and the Duke Wake Forest game? I have numerous thoughts and more numerous thoughts for my thoughts more catered towards the people that are giving thoughts on the court storming <laughs> thoughts. Yes. If that makes sense. It does. Please tell. I, uh, see, there's a couple ways I go about this. One thing I'll say is that Jay Bill has actually got a lot of hatred for what he has been saying about it. Yeah, big time. I think everything that Jay Billis has said is 100% correct and accurate. Everything I believe in the fact that, I mean, let's face it. How, if you think about it, how dumb is it that you have fans, thousands of fans running on to an event as big as a college basketball game that's worthy of a court storming on players that are still trying to leave the court, right? Mm-hmm. And if you just think about the concept, the logic behind it, it's 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 crazy, right? However, what I see is the whole idea of the court storming is what makes college sports so great. And I think this is what Jay Billis was alluding to us on top of what he was saying about the first part is that's what makes college sports so great is the fact you have these opportunities to do this kind of stuff. We're professional basketball. These guys are such big celebrities. They're, you know, they're, they're not like – they're not – treated more as a person as a college athlete if that makes sense so like yep. it's more of a you know an entertainment event and stuff like that compared yeah. to a sporting event on the college side um but i just find it hard to believe like a lot of like i don't know there's a lot of analysts and commentators and reporters out there that are weighing in on this kind of stuff and i get they have like kind of a close up front view of it all and but they've never really played the game and experienced now, this goes on both sides. People that are against court storming and for court storming. It goes on both sides. But they've never really experienced losing a game and having a game, you know, a, a court storm against you. Like, you know, trying to bring Iowa's perspective into it. We played Illinois our last, my last year at Iowa. They won the Big Ten title that game at Illinois. We had Illinois. We talked about this before, Adam. They have Illinois fans coming over the bench on ours they're flipping over chairs they're getting in our faces we know what that's like because that's actually like it's crazy to think about you have your fans from opposing teams running to you and talking shit to you and you can't do anything to them back Mm -hmm. i can guarantee you that's what's happened on these court stormers as of recently you can't tell me these fans aren't saying any of these players i mean that's just crazy if you don't think they are so that's one side, but also the other side where how powerful and memorable is it when you have a game where your fans can help, you know, celebrate that moment with you as an athlete of storming that court and you experience, you know, how great is it to play a sport that so many people are so excited and wanting to celebrate you know, towards. Yep. So there's both sides of it. I, I think there has to be some way where, it's almost on the coaches. They should know when a court storm is going to happen to get their players off the court. And granted, there's situations where there's last second shots and you can't do anything about it because it happens so quickly. But like for Duke, for example, 
they should have their players off the court. It wasn't like it wasn't like it came down to the last second mm-hmm. at all. Like they should have been off the court way before the final buzzer rang or the players should have the right mind like hey i should probably go on the side of the court where we're shaking hands yeah. so security guards can get around you coach k 100 i feel like would have had those guys off the court and that's something shire will learn but you saw coach k do it he would take his guys off that's it that's all i got Go ahead. Oh, I, I was I was getting I was getting geared up for some like powerful statement. I, I just I just had to say that. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like there's there, there, coaches have done it though. Like they've yeah. done what they need to do get their players off the floor. But, I mean, it's happened with Kalen Clark where you know fan there's a fan altercation and you know something happened. I know it came in a news story. Same thing with Phil Paski at Duke. You know, it's happened a couple times already this year where the it's almost like when one bad thing happens, almost like it, it falls down in another bad thing and that makes it a bigger sure. bad thing and it just explodes the situation even more. I don't think it's as bad as a situation because Kalen wasn't hurt. Sapolsky wasn't you know, hurt as far as I know. Um, so I don't think it was as big a situation as the news headline has made it out to be. But there also needs to be some precautions and stuff put into place where some procedures put into place where get the players off the court. If it's not a close game with the last five, like that's really easy to do the last five mm-hmm. seconds, have the coach bring the players together, walk off, have the other team celebrate. You know, in my opinion, handshakes shouldn't even be a thing anymore because no. NBA doesn't even do it. I mean, you know how tempers can flare. Yep. Just get them off the court right away. Make it solves, it solves the problem. You don't have to eliminate court storming in any capacity. Just get them off the court. You don't have to deal with this stuff. Wise words. Um, yeah. And like buzzer beater situation, I was thinking like, how would, how could you handle that? And I started thinking like, I don't even know if this would work because you're relying on 19 to 21, 22 year old college kids. Half of them are probably popped to adhere to this. But like, I don't remember. I don't know if it was Jay Billis or someone else said like the 30 second shot clock or like a 20 second shot clock. That, like the team that lost, if it's like a big ranked team that comes in, just say Duke loses on a buzzer beater, they're dejected. They're probably not just going to jog off the court, but 20 to 30 seconds gives them time at least to like dejectedly walk back to the bench and make their way to the tunnel. And for 20 seconds, the student section is going to be celebrating with each other, hyped, going crazy. It's not like 20, 30 seconds later, the excitement's going to wear off. And then, like, when the clock hits zero, they can run out there. I don't know if that's possible because that means you have to rely on a 1,000 teenagers to young kids in their 20s to adhere to a rule, which is silly to think might be the case that they'd actually follow the rule. But maybe they would. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great conversation to have. I don't think that's probably going to be possible with buzzer beaters, but no. uh, it's something to, you know, something to shoot for that. And Jay Bill has brought this up too. The whole idea of, you know, talking about fans being on the court. Well, players can't go into the stands, right? You know, we've seen the malice in the palace. We've seen situations where, you know, there's some severe ramifications if a player enters the stands and it interacts with the fan, right? Yep. But there's also the, ver- the vice versa of a fan coming onto the court and a court storming and having an interaction with this with this the college athlete and nothing really happens, you know. It, it's just it's a it's a weird dilemma. I don't think there's a right answer. I think the answer is just to leave it alone in my opinion. 
and make the coaches be at fault if something happens. Because ultimately, I think that's that's what it should be. If there's a situation that happens, that's I feel like that should be on the coach's fault for having the player either not rationally thinking, hey, I shouldn't run towards a fan or I shouldn't, you know, get myself out of the harm's way of fans, if that makes sense. Like there, there mm-hmm. has to be some some precaution, pre- precautionary procedures put in by the coaches to set up for that. But also, you know, it's hard. It's, it's unpredictable. So you can't really do anything for either way. Yep. Nope. Makes sense. Oh boy. Well, if it happens, I mean, with how many ranked, I don't even know what the number is now, but I tweeted this out like two days ago. It was up to 89. I want to say ranked teams had lost on the road this season by far a record. It's probably going to keep happening because this is the season of chaos. So we'll see if it happens anymore in the future. Um, let's talk some national landscape quick here for a few minutes where we mention another sponsor and hit the road, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan state and Wisconsin are not helping Iowa strength of schedule right now. Wisconsin is playing their way out of being a, I don't think they'll drop out of being a quad one win, but Wisconsin is struggling and Michigan state all of a sudden is struggling. They lose at home. I could see to Iowa because we're young and have good players and good shooters. And there could be a night where we're just hot like we were, but Ohio state's been bad and they lost their coach and maybe that made them play better. I don't know, but Wisconsin and Michigan state, what in the world is going on? Here's the thing with Wisconsin and Michigan state, it's hurting the amount of team, how they're playing right now is hurting the amount of teams that can get in the big 10 or can get into the NCAA tournament right now. Yeah. Because it's making realistically big 10 probably should get, let's see, seven in easily. Probably six or seven. Yeah. But how Wisconsin and Michigan state has been, Playing lately, they're almost impacting the bubble team, which it, it's probably going to be Iowa yeah. of making the NCAA tournament because it might turn into a Big Ten only getting six teams now. And realistically, I mean, this might be a hot take, but Wisconsin's not—they're not in the NCAA tournament right now. Like in my opinion, this is going to sound crazy to me, but they're at 17 wins. I know they have a few—they have a good quad one wins and stuff. Or no, I'm saying that wrong about not Wisconsin, Michigan State. Michigan, Michigan State, State's yeah. Not in the- yeah, Michigan State's not in the NCAA tournament right now. 17-11. They have some good wins, but you know, let's say they lose out. They they end up being um, – they have three games left, 17-14. and 14, and yeah. They lose one of the Big Ten tournaments, 17-15. and 15, I don't think that gets them in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with yeah. – I mean, you could even look at a Wisconsin, Adam. This is going to sound crazy, too. They had three games left. They go 18 and 13. Let's say they, they lose out. Like they're on the streak. They have the ability to do because they've done it. They lose out and they end up 10 10 conference. They, they're in, they're on the bubble. And then they're, they're fighting to win a game in the Big Ten tournament. Yep. So dumb Wisconsin and Michigan State are realistically hurting Iowa's chances to make the NCAA tournament to get on the other side of the bubble by how bad they're performing. Because, I mean, look who Iowa beat. They've beaten Michigan State, they've beaten Wisconsin. It's yeah. so weird. Like it's it's crazy. It's if bizarre. you look at the standings right now, the standings is crazy to think about because you just look at what might be ahead. I mean, you would think Wisconsin, Michigan State are going to get in, but I mean, Michigan State's lost two in a row. Wisconsin just lost another one. 18, 10, 17, 11. Iowa's seventeen and twelve. It's not like they're that far off, and they're on the bubble. Yep. Yeah, those teams and those teams are too good to be 
they're too talented to be losing these games, but it, it's just that's the 23 24 season for you. Um, there's a lot more we could talk about. Creighton whooped UConn, and then UConn turnaround has been awesome since then. And then Creighton lost at St. John's. That's just the chaos of basketball. There's so many teams that I think are going to have the potential to make a deep run. But one thing I want to mention here before we do one more ad raid and roll out of here. The UNI Panthers, don't let those boys get hot. They beat Drake in the McLeod Center. They should have swept Drake. They had Drake. They were up double digits in the second half of them at Drake. But fully healthy, they had Bowen Bourne back. Look out for the name Titan Anderson. That guy's been on fire. He's averaging like 12, 10, and 8 a game in like the last week and a half. The Panthers, Arch Madness is just around the corner. Don't let those boys get hot. Next year, by the way, give me information because I have not watched this. No, go ahead, buddy. No, you go ahead. I I was just saying next year, I want, I want you and me. We should take Matt. Maybe you guys will be busy with your finance stuff. I don't know. I want to go, whether it's for Iowa everywhere, or if we do something else, I want to go to Arch Madness and cover it and like have sponsors and get paid to do it. It's, oh, I've been to it once. It is so much fun. I want to go. I want to go to that or like the Mountain West tournament or something like that. That'd be so much fun. Mountain West would be sick. Uh, the Arch Madness is an awesome tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's the thing: I haven't watched a single second of you and I, so that's what I was saying. Like, you got to feed me information because I don't, well, I, I don't know anyone on the team other than Bowen. Get ready for the Snapchats, then, brother, because <laughs> they're going to be coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're up against the clock. Let's close out here with uh, uh, talking about our friends at the Iowa Event Center. Probably the premier uh, concert, comedian, entertainment venue in the Midwest, as far as I'm concerned. The lineup is unbelievable. Uh, So check them out. Go to their website, Iowa Event Center. You can see their incredible lineup of musicians and comedians that are coming. And we are running a contest right now. And here's how it works. You're going to email Iowa Everywhere. You're going to email win at iowaeverywhere.com. And you're going to tell us why you would love to connect with your mom at Barry Manilow's August 1st show at the Iowa Event Center. We have, this is kind of goofy because we have one grand prize winner who will receive round trip airfare on us or Iowa Event Center. One of them, it's free to you. It doesn't matter. And we're going to pay for the hotel and everything. So what if someone in like Urbandale wins? Are we going to fly them into the into Des Moines free of charge? <laughs> That's what be some gonna... <laughs> there. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we've got some listeners like in South Africa. That's going to be an expensive plane ticket. Uh, and then four lucky winners outside of the grand prize winner are going to receive a free pair of tickets. You can go watch him slay Mandy and Copacabana and all sorts of other good songs. So Email win at iowaeverywhere.com, and hopefully you will be a lucky winner, and we'll announce those winners down the road here on the Iowa Everywhere Podcast Network. I got the Puma hat on because golf season's right around the corner. You probably played some golf here recently, but golf season's right around the corner, pal. This guy is frozen. Who knows if he's coming back? Um, This is going to be a core memory for me. I made a mem with Jordan while he's frozen. Oh, he's back! I'm All, back. Right. <laughs> All right. This was fun. We made memes. We fought through. We survived. We gutted it out. We're just a couple of gritty Iowa boys. <laughs> I don't know how my Wi-Fi hold up, but we're good. 
All right. Well, I love you, buddy. I love everyone who listens. I love my mom, and I'm sure she loves Barry Manilow. So check out uh, all the other shows we have, too. Check out Iowa Everywhere, and we appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time. Iowa Everywhere. Thank you.